This podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of February 12th, 2017. The podcast that can't tell a knight from a dopey guy in armor. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's rebroadcast the news of the bogus. And just when you thought net neutrality was bad enough, along comes the call to regulate fake news. Yes, one could have easily predicted, and we did, that this would go from calling for self-regulation to outright censorship power. It didn't take long. Despite recent studies showing that so-called fake news had no impact whatsoever on the election, MSNBC's chief legal correspondent Ari Melber said that fake news can be regulated by the FTC the same way it goes after fraudulent advertisers. Quote, The FTC could develop a framework for pursuing fraud news about political propaganda or work with Congress to define a framework consistent with the First Amendment. Sorry, but that could only be not doing it at all. The FTC's recent actions against fraud news proprietors typically targeted a two-step practice. They posted misinformation about a product, then sold the product. In fraud news, however, the political misinformation is the product, and it's free. So, to Melbourne, information he doesn't agree with is political misinformation, and something that's not sold is a product. In other words, neither of the two criteria for false advertising apply, yet somehow they still apply. Because potato. To follow First Amendment precedents, the framework could limit the FTC to only regulating posted articles, not seeking prior restraints against future articles, and to only regulate businesses devoted to fraud news. Except that there's no way the FTC has jurisdiction over it. The Federal Trade Commission, that's what FTC stands for in case you've forgotten, only has jurisdiction over things that are being bought and sold. That's not what's happening here. But even worse, what qualifies as political misinformation? I'm sure Melber doesn't think it'll apply to anything he believes, but what if whoever's put in charge disagrees? Let's never forget that any political power can be wielded by anyone for any reason. If you put a gun in a room, someone could pick it up and point it at you. We've shown how traditional news outlets like CNN, MSNBC, and Network News could easily be called fake news, given how little actual journalism seems to be going on, and it seems to be more along the lines of credulously passing on whatever you're told, whereas online news is easier to verify since you can link to all of the available source material like this TechDirt article has done. Melber seems to have an understanding of all of this, which is why he resorted to an Orwellian tactic by relabeling fake news as fraud news. Quote, Fake news is an intentional effort to spread false information in the guise of a factual news product. It does not refer to news one merely dislikes or to false information erroneously published by a legitimate news outlet. From newspapers to scientific journals, factual institutions do make mistakes. Even in error, their commitment to correction separates them from propagandists. Boy, have we seen how true that absolutely is not! Quote, To use a legal framework, fake news is essentially a scheme to trick the consumer. A fraud. 
Perhaps Fraud News is the better label. But that just means we'll start calling CNN Fraud News instead. We've actually got the better claim for it. We've seen how they soldier ahead and stick to their guns even when they have to know they're in the wrong. There just might be a couple of examples of this later in this very podcast. The bottom line is, so-called fake news doesn't convince anyone of anything they're not already convinced of. It's confirmation bias at best. So what we're really talking about here is putting the government in charge of fixing yet another problem that doesn't exist by giving them yet another tool for censorship. There's no way this can be a good idea. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And speaking of fake news, NPR is sounding alarms over the House voting to overturn the Obama rule, which banned the sale of firearms to the mentally ill. The measure would have required the Social Security Administration to send their disability data to the FBI for use in their criminal background check system. This would have stopped approximately 75,000 people from being able to obtain firearms, perhaps more, even if their only disability was being incapable of managing their financial affairs, which is the only thing that Social Security disability really measures. The House argued that the measure not only violates the Second Amendment, but the Fifth Amendment right to due process. Congress clown Elizabeth Etsy, a Democrat who represents the Newtown, Connecticut district, said, quote, The House charged ahead with an extreme, hastily written, one-sided measure that would make the American people less safe. This is horrendously offensive to the mentally disabled, equating all of them with Adam Lanza. Not only is this yellow journalism at its worst, it fosters an extremely misleading stereotype. While NPR did do the minimum necessary for the fake balance the news media engages in to sound like they're being objective, as usual, it's what they left out that matters. NPR mentions that the ACLU opposed the rule, quote, because it advances and reinforces the harmful stereotype that people with mental disabilities, a vast and diverse group of citizens, are violent. They didn't tell you that they also opposed the rule on due process grounds and because the SSA database includes all sorts of conditions that no reasonable person would think should stop a gun purchase. NPR also didn't tell you that mentally disabled people are no more likely to commit violence than the rest of the population, but that they are 
ten times as likely to become victims of violence. This measure removes the right of self-defense from some of the country's most vulnerable people. Same thing for horrible people like Congress clown Etsy and triple bogon points for anyone who's all Trump is the evil for making fun of a disabled guy while wanting to remove basic human rights from those very same disabled people. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. And now something a bit on the lighter side. I almost gave this guy the silver clue on. This is a gray hat hacker by the name of Stack Overflowin, no G, who claims to have pwned 150,000 printers. A couple of definitions first. A gray hat hacker is a hacker who doesn't exactly work legally, but doesn't create any harm either. Quite the contrary. His goal is to demonstrate to people that, of all things, their printers represent a huge security problem. Something else you need to know about is UPnP, Universal Plug and Play. This is a completely horrible idea from, guess who, Microsoft. The routers we buy to connect our devices to a single internet connection use something called NAT, which stops incoming traffic that wasn't specifically requested from anything on the inside, like when you visit a web page in your browser. The problem is, some software requires that to be the case, like BitTorrent software. So there are instructions for how to go into your router settings and open a port so it can work. That's the secure way. What UPnP does is allow your software to open a port on its own, which is very convenient. The problem is that when Microsoft designed UPnP, they put in no security whatsoever. So there's nothing stopping any device on your network from opening a port to the outside world without your knowledge, unless you go into your router settings and turn off UPnP entirely for everything. So what these printers were doing is opening a port to the internet just in case you decided you wanted to print from a remote location, something very few people ever do. So people don't even realize their printers are accessible from the public internet. Not only that, if they did, they wouldn't realize how much of an issue it is. There was a case in March of last year when thousands of internet-enabled printers, due to the actions of a single hacker, spit out anti-Semitic messages from a white supremacist group, which if nothing else should tell you how desperate they are to recruit these days. Actually, it appears to have been little more than a joke, with a hacker tweeting things like, Y'all think this postscript is offensive enough? Looks like this has been a teachable moment for UC Berkeley, and a lesson in how positively hilarious the IoT will be in the future. But it's worse than that. 
Most of these printers support PostScript, which isn't just a graphics format like many people think. It's a programming language, a full Turing-complete programming language. Anything you can do in any other language, you can do in PostScript. In a recent report, German researchers showed that a hacker could exploit a printer's memory and run a PostScript program that could extract sensitive documents and passwords, and even use it as a launching off point to compromise the internal network. These were vulnerabilities that were disclosed years ago that, for the most part, remain completely unpatched. After this new report, only Dell and Google responded with fixes. So Stack Overflow and decided to get people's attention. People all over the internet have reported receiving his printed messages, posting pictures of them online. One of them reads, Stack Overflowin' the Hacker God has returned. Your printer is part of a flaming botnet operating on Putin's forehead, utilizing BTIs, break the internet, complex infrastructure. It then included ASCII art of a computer whose screen read, Hacked, hacked, LOL, just kidding next to a router with port 9100 open. It then reads, For the love of God, please close this port skid. Another one features ASCII art of a robot. The hack affected printers from Afico, Brother, Canon, Epson, HP, Lexmark, Konica Minolta, Oki, and Samsung. The hacker has claimed that his hopes are for positive action to come from this. Quote, Obviously there's no botnet. People have done this in the past and sent racist flyers, etc. I'm not about that. I'm about helping people fix their problem, but having a bit of fun at the same time, sideways winking smiley. Everyone's been cool about it, and thanked me to be honest. But again, the onus shouldn't be on end users who don't know or care about the ins and outs of how this stuff works to secure themselves. It should be on the manufacturers, and they should absolutely be held liable for negligence when they don't do their jobs. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to deadlock this week's biggest bogani emitter. The Obama administration, the most transparent administration in history, was notoriously bad when it came to secrecy and going out of their way to inhibit FOIA requests. So far, the Trump administration isn't shaping up to be much better. Starting in March, the FBI will no longer accept FOIA requests via email. The only options will be fax and snail mail. 
There will be an option for some to use an online portal, provided they agree to certain terms of service and provide the FBI with personal information, including a telephone number and physical address. This brings them in line with the CIA and DARPA, which under Obama switched to only accepting requests by fax. The FBI Records Division has also been known to use computers dating back to the 1980s specifically to make it difficult to make FOIA requests. According to Michael Morrissey, co-founder of Muckrock, who has had his share of FOIA run-ins, quote, It's a huge step backwards for the FBI to switch from a proven, ubiquitous, user-friendly technology like email to a portal that has consistently shown problems, ranging from restricting how often citizens can access their right to government oversight to legitimate privacy concerns. Given that email has worked well for millions of requests over the years, this seems like a move designed to reduce participation and transparency, and we hope that the FBI will reverse course. The FBI has repeatedly been both charged with and sued for deliberately hindering the release of FOIA requests in direct violation of the law, according to MIT's Ryan Shapiro, whose latest project involves seeking records related to President Trump, quote, the FBI has constructed a FOIA search protocol that fails by design. The FBI does nearly everything within its power to avoid compliance with the Freedom of Information Act. He calls it a, quote, outrageous state of affairs in which the leading federal law enforcement agency in the country is in routine and often flagrant violation of federal law. The big problem with FOIA is it has no teeth. There are no penalties for agencies that violate it, even ones that do so as brazenly as the FBI. There's no signs of this improving at all. In fact, all indications are it'll only get worse. But as FOIA researcher Michael Best tweeted recently, quote, If you ever doubted that FOIA can be a powerful tool, just look at how hard the FBI is trying to fight it. So all of that makes the FBI this week's biggest Bogani meter. Bogosity.tv gives you great ways to shop at Amazon. Clear your cookies and go to Amazon.Bogosity.tv and you won't pay a penny more for your purchase. Or go to Prime.Bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime and enjoy thousands of movies and TV episodes, borrow Kindle books, and get unlimited two-day shipping for free. And speaking of Kindle, go to Kindle.Bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial to Kindle Unlimited, read over one million books, and listen to thousands of audiobooks on any device. Or go to home.pagosity.tv to try Amazon Home Services. Over a thousand different services from quality hand-picked pros, from house cleaning to equipment and furniture assembly, plumbing, electrical, painting, and other handyman services, all backed by Amazon's happiness guarantee. And as always, check the right-hand side of the podcast page for special Amazon deals. And now let's draw fake glasses on this week's Idiot Extraordinary. And this week it goes to the news media again. Yes, one more story that causes us to determine that the fake news regulations are aimed in the wrong direction. Many mainstream and online news outlets reported, completely credulously, that Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Neil Gorsuch, founded a fascism club in high school, making white supremacist and anti-Semitic statements. According to fake news outlet Daily Mail, quote, 
Supreme Court Justice nominee Neil Gorsuch founded and led a student group called the Fascism Forever Club at his elite high school. The club was set up to rally against the left-wing tendencies of his professors while attending a Jesuit all-boys preparatory school near Washington, D.C. It also shows the depth of Gorsuch's right-wing credentials and his penchant for mischief while attending his exclusive prep school in the 1980s. Gorsuch founded the Fascism Forever Club during his freshman year at Georgetown Preparatory School, a now $30,000-a-year private Jesuit school that is one of the most selective in the United States. Not a single word of that is true. In addition to the daily fail, mindlessly regurgitating the fake news were The Independent, Salon, Alternate, Common Dreams, Daily Caller, U.S. News & World Report, Raw Story, Inquisitor, Yahoo News, Independent Journal Review, International Business Times, and many others. None of these articles contained any quotes from Gorsuch or even evidence of any attempts to talk to classmates, teachers, faculty, or representatives to ask them if there's evidence of such a club even existing at any time ever. Snopes, on the other hand, did. Quote, we made those inquiries to verify whether a Fascism Forever Club operated in or around Georgetown Preparatory School in 1985, and Georgetown Director of Communications Patrick Coyle told us that no such club ever existed at the school. The only place where the phrase Fascism Forever Club is to be found is in Gorsuch's yearbook as a joke, as confirmed by history teacher Steve Ox, quote, there was no club at a Jesuit school about young fascists. The students would create fictitious clubs. They would have fictitious activities. They were all inside jokes on their senior pages. Ones that didn't fall for it include the New York Post, although they fell for it initially, the Washington Post, National Review, The Daily Dot, Townhall.com, The Blaze, The LA Times, Breitbart, and others. But as much as it got passed around and credulously reported by mainstream news outlets who didn't even bother to do any basic fact-checking, we once again have to name the news media this week's Idiot Extraordinary. Well, that wraps up this They're Driving Me Out of My Tiny Little Mind edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate using the links on the website or the QR codes in the thumbnail, or become a patron at patreon.bogosity.tv and get the podcast and YouTube videos early and without ads or promos. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Thomas Jefferson. Nothing can now be believed which is seen in a newspaper. Truth itself becomes suspicious by being put into that polluted vehicle. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial and Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. Want answers to creationist claims against evolution? Would you like to know more about evolution yourself, or even engage creationists more directly, with actual peer-reviewed sources to back you up? My book, How Evolution is Scientific, is designed to show the basics of evolutionary theory and how it is so well supported using the scientific method. 
It's impeccably sourced, with references to the actual scientific material, and is arranged using the creationists' own criteria of what is scientific. Using their own arguments against them, see how evolution is scientific, but creationism is not. Based on observations, accurate predictions, logic, and evidence. Get answers to common creationist claims, and even a primer on abiogenesis, the start of all life. It's all in my book, How Evolution is Scientific, available at Amazon and on Kindle, EPUB, and PDF as well. Get How Evolution is Scientific and never be taken in by creationists again.